Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. So you want your charity to succeed. It's no secret that combining online and offline techniques is the key to modern-day fundraising success, and practical advice is what you need. The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart is the perfect place to learn from experts around the world who, along with our host, provide advice you can use. Ted Hart is without a doubt one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. Also a successful author, his books cover a broad range of topics from major gift fundraising to use of social media and how to succeed online. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. From the latest in charity news, technology, fundraising, and social networking, Ted and his guests help you maneuver through this economic downturn in the charitable sector to greater levels of efficiency and fundraising success. Remember, this is a live call-in show. Become part of the show by adding your voice. Call now at 347-324-3080. After the show, you can find all our podcasts at tedhart.com. Just click on radio links. Don't forget to dial 347-324-3080. Now, welcome the host of The Nonprofit Coach, Ted Hart. Well, and uh, welcome here to The Nonprofit Coach. Thank you so much for joining us today on our very special Happy Holidays show. Uh, Happy Holidays to all of our listeners uh, around the world, uh, from all of us here at tedhart.com and The Nonprofit Coach. We have a very special show, and if you're not in the holiday spirit, you will be after you've had the opportunity uh, to hear and learn from our page two expert today, Kay Sprinkle Grace. For those of you who are new to the show, those of you who know this show very well, you can follow along with our page one radio links by going to tedhart.com. Just click on radio links and you'll see a uh, nice bright link there that will take you to all the very best resources of the internet for nonprofit organizations. As the announcer uh, shared with you, this is a live call-in show, so when we get to the page two expert, you can dial in to 347-324-3080. Go ahead and dial that now. Just press the number one, reserve your spot on the switchboard. You can also email us at tedhart at tedhart.com. You can also join us over in the chat room, and I see a bunch of folks over in the chat room. So what that means is it's now time for page one news. Page one intro news uh, starts out with the Association of Fundraising Professionals uh, sharing with us an important study that comes from Campbell Rinker on behalf of Dunham and Company. Uh, You'll find over in the radio links a study that shows that online giving has become popular among donors 60 and older. Uh, In this study, they found that while 61% of all donors surveyed that they had given an online gift at some point, a surprising 
one out of two or 51% of those 60 years old or older so that they had also made a gift online. This compares to three out of four or 75% of those under age 40 uh, and 64% of those within the uh, interim uh, range of 40 to 60 years old. This study blows some holes in the conventional thinking about older donors and online giving, says Rick Dunham, president and CEO of Dunham and Company. Well, it blows a hole in conventional thinking if you haven't been listening to the nonprofit coach because we have known that across the board, online fundraising is growing and is not now just a good idea for nonprofit organizations, particularly at holiday time, but is now becoming a core competency for professional fundraisers around the world. Next up here on the uh, Nonprofit Coach Page One News, this is the holidays, so I thought I would just uh, share with you uh, an absolutely bizarre family Christmas photo. You've got to go to the radio links today uh, and check out the Mayor of San Juan's uh, Christmas card, uh, which is bizarre, but it's only bizarre in the fact that it is part of a series of shots uh, that he and his family have had over the years of uh, his family pictured uh, smiling behind a stuffed and mounted jaguar, uh, gripping a terrified antelope by the throat. Uh, these are really bizarre photos coming from the mayor of uh, San Juan. But you've got to check it out because uh, the series of photos here is, uh, uh, I'm hoping, showing a bizarre sense of humor on the part of the mayor of San Juan. But this has definitely gone viral if you haven't seen it already, you can check it out. Uh, the Mayor's Bizarre Family Christmas photo uh, over on the radio links at tedhart.com. Now back to something a little bit more serious, a new research study that is sharing information about mobile, web mail, and desktops. Where are people viewing their email now? Well, this is a bit of a wake-up call uh, for all nonprofit organizations. Make sure that you download a copy of this study uh, that shows an increasing number of people uh, who not only have smartphones but are reading their email, your email, on their uh, smartphones uh, and accessing websites, your uh, on their mobile phone. So how accessible uh, are you? Now, uh, <clears throat> keep in mind uh, that uh, here at uh, uh, tedhart.com, you have new resources uh, here. Uh, also, keeping in mind that uh, many of you may have uh, smartphones, may, many of you may want to access our information. So we have a very special website. When you're on your smartphone, just go to your browser and enter in tedhartmobile.com, and that will bring you directly to our mobile website. Our mobile website also allows you to listen to podcasts of this show and listen to this show live, uh, in addition to having direct access to all the very best resources on the Internet through our, our radio links uh, that are posted. So go to tedhartmobile.com right on your smartphone and you'll have all the access to the information that you need. Uh, next up here on uh, page one news, um, I want to draw your attention to uh, a very interesting and heartwarming uh, program uh, that Walmart has put together. And I know that people have varying views of Walmart, whether you shop there or not, but one of the things that they have done for a number of years, including this year, is the Walmart 
12 Days of Giving. And the Walmart 12 Days of Christmas is giving away over a million dollars to charities that are doing work uh, right within their communities. Uh, And I've given you a link uh, to some videos. And today what I want to do is just take a listen and tell me if this just doesn't open up your heart to see that grants are going in the direction of really helping people that are in need. Take a listen to this this, uh, clip. New Hope Children's Clinic is a small school-based health clinic located in a single-wide trailer. Anybody age 3 to 21 that we're able to care for, we will care for. (laughs) We have currently 11 volunteer providers that take care of our children. No one of our providers are paid. Working in the Huntsville Hospital Emergency Department, I saw a lot of these kids. They often eventually got care, but it was late. You know, being here, we can prevent a lot of these problems. We can prevent emergency room visits. About 55% of the children that go to school here qualify as in poverty. If we weren't here, they would not get medical treatment. I think the biggest challenge in this clinic is our space. We're taking care of 2,000 children with two exam rooms and a single white trailer. This grant from Walmart is going to create a dream. It's going to create a clinic that is going to give these kids what they need. We'll go from two exam rooms to having five or six exam rooms, maybe an exam room dedicated to dental and vision care. We can concentrate on making this program the best it can be. It's just a blessing. It's really a miracle. Well, it's always nice to hear about miracles uh, during the holidays, and I don't know about you, but uh, knowing that those kids are going to continue to receive care and better care, uh, even though they come from families that cannot afford that health care, really warms my heart, and I hope that you appreciate uh, the work of the 12 Days of Giving uh, from uh, Walmart. Uh, next up here on the Nonprofit Coach are a couple of late-breaking announcements uh, just posted from the Chronicle of Philanthropy. Half of the charities um, in the Chronicle of Philanthropy poll say that holiday giving is up uh, and has been uh, doing quite well in November and December. And one in five, one in five, 20% of the charities said that they uh, were growing by more than 20%. Uh, so this is uh, good news going into 20. 12 uh, for charities. Uh, the other um, announcement in the Chronicle of Philanthropy today uh, is uh, the Americans are the most generous. Uh, again, in the, uh, the global poll, the United States jumped to the number one spot from the fifth spot uh, in a study uh, about giving and volunteering in 153 countries. Uh, so this is really quite significant um, that the United States continues to be as generous as, 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 it, uh, as it is. Uh, they were followed closely uh, behind by uh, Ireland, Australia, New Zealand, and the United Kingdom. So uh, you can uh, check that out over in the Chronicle of Philanthropy that was just posted. Uh, so we, uh, we will be ho- putting that in the radio links uh, today as well. Before we get to our page two expert, I want to draw your attention uh, to the fact that over in the radio links uh, today, we have the Ultimate K Sprinkle Grace Bookstore. Uh, we, and you can uh, go and uh, purchase all of Kay Sprinkle Grace's uh, terrific um, uh, books that she has, uh, that she has written, uh, from the Ultimate Board Members book to Beyond Fundraising uh, to uh, um, uh, High Impact Philanthropy, which is 
uh, a must on any serious fundraiser's bookshelf. Uh, so check all of that out over in the radio links today. The Ultimate K Sprinkle Grace uh, bookstore is now available and open. Uh, with that, that brings us to the end of Page One News. That means it's time for Page Two. <laughs> Sprinkle Grace it really uh, requires no introduction in most uh, sectors around the world. She is that well-known and certainly that well-respected. Uh, Kay Sprinkle Grace uh, was our uh, radio guest last holiday season, and I'll be talking to her uh, about that in just a few moments because I'm uh, looking forward to getting a, a little bit of uh, information from her about uh, why she did so well. But Kay Sprinkle Grace is a certified fundraising executive. She is in San Francisco, uh, based there, providing organizational consultancy uh, to nonprofit organizations around the country and internationally. Uh, she is an expert in strategic development planning, uh, working with boards of directors and staff members, and other issues related to leadership. And this is her area of expertise, is helping leadership all move in the right direction uh, for not only raising more money, but making successful nonprofit organizations. As I just shared with you, we have a link to all of her books available for you uh, to purchase during the holidays, and it is absolutely my pleasure to welcome here one once again, to the nonprofit coach, Kay Sprinkle Grace. Thank you, Ted. Wow, what a great introduction. I well, am Kay, you, you more than earned that in so many different sectors. I'm going to just start off by a asking you a question. Uh, we, we have uh, ha uh, surpassed our, our one-year anniversary. Of course, that was uh, back in uh, uh, earlier this year for the nonprofit coach. Over 70 podcasts available at uh, tedhart.com by clicking on radio and of all of those podcasts the highest rated the most listened to the most downloaded uh, podcast is last year's holiday show with Kay Sprinkle Grace what makes you so popular well I think it is because my message is always one of constructive strategy based on hope and always lodged in a vision. And I am a big thinker. I'm like you, Ted. That's why we get along so well. I'm a big thinker. I'm always thinking, what is it that our donors are really looking for? What are our donors dreaming of? I, I really, as I look at some of the most important work that I've done this last year, it has been in the area that I would really like to focus on with you today, which is, I think, our growing inability to dream in our sector and why I think that we are going to see an erosion in people who want to dream big with us because we have been so pummeled by, you know, tough economic times that, in fact, we are fearful of dreaming. And so my, well, I, I think that what I, I can offer is, is, um, is, is hope and confidence and vision. Well, and I think the, the sort of the, the whole vision thing is so very important. And, and I, I have the same fear that you do, uh, Kay, and I wonder if it is couched coming to us from the fact that we have had several years of downturn and a lot of stress in charitable organizations, or if we, we are, as a sector, uh, moving and drifting too far away uh, from being those who can envision uh, a better society, um, as opposed to just number crunchers and those mm -hmm. that are doing a job. 
And I, and I think that there's a big difference uh, between running a charitable organization and running uh, a business. It's not to say that you shouldn't have a bottom line and that you shouldn't be successful, otherwise you won't have a future. Um, but I think the whole vision thing is one of those things that make our sector different. And are we attracting people who are able to do that? Well, that's my concern, and I think that it is something we need to address. I think that we have become way too much in the category of being mechanics. You know, we have, um, I think, little little dreaming that goes on, and what I'm hearing um, is, well, how can we dream when we're worried about our, where our next gifts will come from? Um, you know, people are thinking for good reasons, uh, you know, about the funding they need to continue what they're doing and ensure that their mission work is solid. But let me tell you, Ted, I had an experience about three months ago where I did a planning process for a very mature organization, and they were great. You know, they did all the right things. And if anybody's done strategic planning, you know, they did the vision and the mission and the goals and the objectives and all that. And I looked at it and I said, this is really good, but where's the dream? And they said, well, you know, we just have to keep doing what we're doing. And I said, wait a minute. I said, remember those women who founded this organization? Remember how they went to Washington and sat down with government officials and said, look, we can do the first public-private partnership housing project for seniors. We can do it. I said, where's your next dream? Where is that big dream? Because that dream ignited a community around it, which is why you are where you are today. So I'm just... um, I am really admonishing people, and I listened to it in that clip from Walmart. It said, to create a dream. People want a dream, and our danger is that after the first dream has been turned into a thriving organization, we go into maintenance, and then we begin that perceptible shift from dreaming about what might be possible to believing that a successful year is one in which we get back to zero. We balance our budgets. Yeah, and, and I, you're you're putting your finger on such a, an important topic for all of our listeners today, as they look to the new year. And, and I, I I've had several experiences uh, very similar to yours this year. Uh, and I and I don't know if we're just you know on the same wavelength um, in terms of what's happening in our sector, but part of what I've I've been doing this year is really challenging all charities to go back to their mission. Why do you exist? Because I've had so many organizations who have been stressed financially, um, mm-hmm. and they're very concerned. I, I've one uh, in, in, that uh, I've worked with just recently that uh, runs a residential care facility uh, for children, uh, and they're, they're potentially going to lose a lot of state funding, and they don't know if they can keep the residential care facility open, and the, the board of directors was really beside themselves and wondering what their future was going to look like because they may have to close the facility. And what I did is, is I always tell people, dial it all the way back. Mm-hmm. Why are you here? Were you founded to run a residential care facility for troubled children, or were you founded, as I know that they were, uh, (laughs) to provide assistance to women and children in need? And there are lots of ways to fill that mission, 
lots of creative needs in that community that they should be meeting, but they haven't because, as you said, they, they got into maintenance mode of we have 12 beds, we have buildings, we have to mm-hmm, maintain mm-hmm. that, we have a budget, as opposed to asking the question, why are we here and are we doing the best job to our mission, not just to our budget? Exactly, and I contrast that story and the one I just told you with an organization I worked with uh, in another state, not in California, and they are a domestic violence shelter. I mean, they are so bold. They have such a big dream. They have this amazing new facility. They are doing things in ways that are so leading edge because they've had courage, and I think just as we see a loss of courage in leadership at all levels, I think that we are seeing that uh, that loss of courage, and when we do that, we lose the edge of excellence. We begin looking in the mirror instead of through our windows. You know, we gaze at ourselves and consider our accomplishments, and we pronounce it good. And we continue to do what we're doing because, after all, we're successful, right? And even when we're being threatened with uh, loss of funding, our tendency is to blame the funder. And I guess I'm pretty, you know, stiff with my clients, and I say, let's look at you first, and let's see. Maybe, guess what, maybe it would be better for this community and the mission being why you exist. Are there other organizations that you could combine with, collaborate with, join with? And people just, they want to hang on. They want to hang on to something even past its time. But I think that big dream, um, I think it takes a lot of courage. I think that we have to obviously strengthen the core of our organization, but push at the boundaries of our thinking and say, you know, what's coming towards us in our community? What is the next big dream we need to have? You know, Ted, I don't think it costs anything to dream. You can hold well, it dream doesn't. while still um, maintaining part of, commitment. But I think you're pointing out here is an awareness of community needs outside of your own four walls. That's right. Exactly. Remember, this isn't about us. This is never about us. We exist only because there is a need that has to be met in our community. And if the need goes away, you know, I mean, the best of all possible worlds is that a lot of our organizations would go out of business. Because right, we would right. have cured breast cancer, we would, you know, we would have addressed the serious issues, and we would be left with an array of health and cultural and education organizations that are all about enrichment. I mean, the late Bob Payton had that wonderful way of defining philanthropy, is that philanthropy, you know, all philanthropy exists to either, you know, enrich our lives or address, you know, human or societal needs. And, you know, we have to keep looking at that. And I think that the whole idea of having a dream while still maintaining your commitment to sound fiscal practices and the execution of your strategic plan, it's not an either or. It's a both and. And what I'm seeing, you mentioned the statistics, my clients are way over on their annual, on their annual giving goals right now. I have four or five clients that are way ahead, but you know what? They are all ones that have that dream, that vision, that strong sense of mission, and people are responding to it. And several of them are now considering going into some kind of extraordinary initiative or, or small campaign uh, you know, to really build on that. Right, but it's it's because they offer more than just 
um, a budget and a set of uh, set of programs. So, what's the answer here in terms of strategies that would relieve the other side of this, where you've got social investors who are saying it is bottom line, it is data driven, it is not just about meeting a, a dream. What about the sustainability of organizations, and how do you tie that back to the dream factor? Well, this is what I'm seeing. I am seeing that organizations that infuse the dream throughout the organization are entirely more productive. They go beyond sustainable. They have such a sense of purpose. And I think it, again, has to do with the leadership of the organizations where if it's bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news, what is the morale factor in the organization? Instead of sharing the success, I remember years and years ago in another recession, I think it was the late 80s, and I was working with a small organization that was struggling. I mean, it was really struggling, but we were making headway. We were making headway, and the executive director called me in one day, and she said, well, I hope you'll drop by on Friday. And I said, well, sure. I said, what's up? And she said, we're celebrating. And I said, you're celebrating? I said, what happened? And she said, we made payroll. And she said, I'm buying pizza for everybody, and I'd like to have you come. What they did is they celebrated their successes. They kept their vision alive. I will tell you all these years later, that is a very successful organization that has considered that dreams are a renewable resource. So in terms of strategy, here's the deal. The deal is you've got to have leaders who are capable of being visionaries even in times of stress. Leaders who do not permeate their organizations with the chaotic behavior and thinking that characterizes panic. We have to have leaders who are willing to celebrate even the smallest successes, learn from those successes, and move forward. I think that the, the fact that we have, as you briefly mentioned, we have implemented good business practices, but we are different. We are mission and, and values driven. I often think, Ted, how different our world might have been if Martin Luther King, when he stood on the steps of the Capitol all those years ago, had said, I have a plan instead of <laughs> I have a dream. Right, exactly. How different would things have been? Uh, Where exactly. are we? Where is our dream? And you see, I think that we are confronting right now the boundaries of risk because our sector is about risk. We're risking things. We see a need in the community. We risk initial seed money and engage others to risk theirs. We want to prove that our case, that this is a community priority and worth the risk. But in times of uncertainty, like the hammering we have taken in this recession, people are less willing to take risks. The boundaries of risk are fear and dreams. And when we are fearful, we simply can't dream, and we certainly don't risk. So, so Kay, you know, one of the things that, is, and, and you brought this up very early on in, in your remarks, one of the things that, that is always uh, of concern at board of directors, um, uh, a stress for staff members, uh, is creating the strategic planning document and the whole strategic planning process that you're uh, supposed to go through and, of course, probably have to hire a consultant to do. And, and it becomes a, a big stress uh, factor for a lot of 
uh, of charities and how they actually do that. And I, you know, I always try to drive that back and say, you know, first of all, you don't have to hire a consultant. It is about awareness of your community. It is tying back to uh, your mission. But it's part of it that we we overcomplicate some of these processes and what we're really talking about is the dream plan, what is our dream plan, what is our dream document, and that that's a concept that people can understand more than strategic planning? I think it is, and I think that we do overcomplicate strategic planning. I've known of strategic a strategic planning process that took almost a year. <laughs> like, what, what did you do, do during that year when you were doing your strategic plan? I am a pretty, I'm a pretty fast strategic planner, and I always start with vision. I always start with that exercise where you're reading the newspaper about your organization five or ten years hence, depending on how, how far ahead they can think, and what does it say? What does that say? And, I mean, it is amazing how much they can dream. I did this recently with a symphony orchestra. And all of a sudden, the conversation was around their own performance space, their own rehearsal space, something they had dared not articulate because, like most arts organizations, they were struggling. And yet, it was so exciting to see them really buoyed by this idea that, gee, maybe we could do this. You know, I have a, a good friend, and she's probably a friend of yours too, but I won't mention the name. Um, anyway, she's an expert with hospitals, with hospital foundations. And she's called in when these foundations are kind of on the ropes. And um, she uh, did her due diligence with this new foundation that she went to. And the foundation was in a very, a very difficult part of Los Angeles. They definitely needed a cancer center. They needed just about everything. And so she began meeting individually with the board members, and her staff would prepare her by kind of giving a, a bio on them. And one of the board members, she noticed with you know enlarged eyes, had made a $7 million gift to another hospital for a cancer center while he was on their board of this other hospital foundation. So when she met with him, she said, you know, I'm curious, how is it that you gave, you know, the $7 million to, you know, Brand X Hospital when you know how much we need one? And he said, oh, that's easy. He said, because nobody at this hospital came to me with a $7 million idea. He said, all they ever talked to me about was just kind of, you know, meeting their annual goals. And that's that was the one of the most inspiring instructional stories that I ever heard and she told it at a conference and I've never forgotten it because what we're dealing with is we are I think we are promoting that sense of psychic poverty by having these tight little plans that like the one that I worked with a couple of months ago that just maintain they just maintain by golly if we can just get through this year balance our budget It'll be a big success. But we're about the future. Philanthropy is a pay-it-forward proposition, which says that we have to look through those windows and say, what's coming toward us now? And it doesn't have to be a tsunami. It could, in fact, be a bright light. 
You know, this whole idea of dreaming, and I was thinking about this holiday show, and I was thinking how dreams figure in, you know, at the holidays, everybody from Scrooge to the Sugar Plum Fairy. And whether it's Christmas or Hanukkah or winter solstice, it's all about reflecting on the past and then moving into the future. And what my dream is is that we as a sector will gain a much greater command again of why we exist, what is possible? Because I think that we have some some very basic principles about our sector. And um, I think, you know, first of all, it's being good listeners. I'm going to get real practical. Listen for the dream. And I worked years ago with a man who was one of the best, best major gift solicitors as a volunteer I've ever known. And there was a woman that... Um, Everybody, it was a hospital campaign. They wanted to get it done. You know how it gets towards the end. Well, just we've got to go ask her for something. So they'd ask her for heart because she had heart disease. They'd ask her for cancer because her husband died of cancer. She was an elderly woman. She'd lived in the same house for 60 years and never had children. And this gentleman that I know was asked to go see her. And instead of walking in and presenting her with what they wanted, He walked in. It was a very warm summer afternoon. They went into the back parlor of this old house in the Midwest. The windows were wide open. She sat right near the window. And he sat opposite her. And there were children playing in the yard next door. And he just sat there and he watched her. And instead of closing the window, it was almost as though she was leaning into the window. And he said to her, you hear the children, don't you? She said, yes. She said, I never had children. And she said, decades now, I've sat here, listened to children playing in the yards around me and reflected on them. And he said, and what do you think about when you reflect on the children? Oh, she said, I'm so worried about today's children. And she went on and expressed her fears, her worries about parenting, about latchkey kids, about all of that. And he said, are you aware that in our pediatrics program at the new hospital, we will have parent training. No, she said. No one had ever listened to her. Of course it wasn't heart and cancer she gave to. It was the pediatrics program and the parenting program. We have to listen for the dream. In in, in the story that you're telling is that one of the essential skills that that that, uh, development officer has that I, my, my fear is that an increasing number of of development professionals today don't have is that ability to listen and interpret. Absolutely. Absolutely. A friend of mine told me a story. We had our AFP little Christmas party um, a couple of days ago downtown, and on the way out he said, I want to talk to you a minute. And I gave a talk based on this uh, for our National Philanthropy Day. And he said, I want to tell you how the dream worked. And he told me about a physician, he's again with a hospital, about a physician working in a particular area of care and a donor who had that that interest. And it resulted in a conversation where they began dreaming of what was possible. And the donor is giving $20 million to this program. It's the biggest gift this friend of mine has ever brought in. He said it was because I listened for the dream. And I thought, oh, my gosh, we've got a physician that is working exactly on that who had shared her dream with him as well. 
So it's it's it, two ears, one mouth, Ted, anatomical ratio. And we need to remember we, that. We, we tend to engage them in the opposite order. We certainly uh, do. We certainly It's not always do. the... Uh, uh, the the uh, the best way to go. Um, Kate, we're going to take a, a little quick break, and uh, when you come back, I, I want to ask you to share with our listeners what are the things that we should emphasize when talking to a potential large donor to get them excited about the dream. So we're we're getting our our listeners to start thinking about what is that dream, what is it that uh, they need to be talking about, but how do we get the donor now to be excited about that dream and tied into that dream? We'll be right back after the break. Remember, our podcasts and archives are always available 24 hours a day at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. If you're listening live today, the phone lines are open. Call in and ask a question by dialing 347-324-3080. Now, back to the nonprofit coach with Ted Hart. Well, welcome uh, back. And before we uh, rejoin our page two expert today, Kay Sprinkle Grace, uh, who is talking to us about dreaming uh, and strategic fundraising, I do want to remind you that uh, with the Kay Sprinkle Grace show today, uh, we start our holiday hiatus. And I hope that all of you are going to enjoy the year-end holidays with family and friends uh, wherever you may be. That holiday hiatus uh, will uh, have you give you the opportunity to catch up on our podcast uh, uh, for what would have been our December 27th show and our January 3rd show. We'll be back live here on the Nonprofit Coach January 10th. That will be an important show because the Secretary of State of South Carolina will be my guest, Mark Hammond, uh, and he will be talking about charity ethics uh, and how to make sure that your organization goes into 2012 um, meeting expectations of a Secretary of State. On January 17th, we will have the official public release of the 2011 Atlas of Giving. Uh, and I think even more importantly, uh, Rob Mitchell that day will be sharing with us the 2012 forecast of giving. I'm certainly looking forward to uh, learning what that forecast is all about. And I think for everybody today, you don't want to miss that show as you're planning your success strategy for 2012. Sandy Rees, CFRE, um, will be with us on January 24th uh, talking about getting fully funded. Uh, and I'm not going to spill the beans here, but on January 31st, we're going to have a big announcement here uh, on the uh, Nonprofit Coach uh, for all of you who need to write grants uh, in, uh, in 2012. So if you need money, and you need to write grants. You don't want to miss the show on January 31st. Uh, we're now back live with Kay Sprinkle Grace, who is our page two expert today and our official uh, spokesperson for the holidays. Uh, you can call in today at 347-324-3080. You can also email me at tedhart.com, and you can ask questions over in the chat room. I see a bunch of people over in the chat room right now. Kay, uh, so how do we get donors uh, to now tie into the dreams that we're formulating? I think that we have to combine the concrete with the conceptual. And I don't think there's any way of escaping transparency, accountability, the metrics. We've, we've gone too far in that direction, and for very good reasons. But Jim Collins, in Good to Great in the Social Sector, really gives us the formula that works. He said that you need your statistics, you need both the statistics about the need that you're meeting, as well as your own performance statistics. But he said we have to remember to tell the stories. 
And he said that is really the way that we get across what we do, and it's how what we do differs. I mean, his other concepts, the flywheel, getting the right people on the bus, they all apply to us as well as anything. But there is that one aspect of our sector is that a lot of what we do is not measurable. And it's not measurable in the quantifiable way that a donor often wants to see. So that's why Jim says be sure and use your statistics and your stories. So if you are serving X number of women and their children in your health clinic, then what you're going to do is you're going to tell this, you're going to say how many you're serving and then tell the story of one woman and you know and her child and the difference that it made. So that's the first thing. The second thing is do not choose your prospects by how much money they have. Choose your prospects about how highly aligned they are with your values. Because, and we had a, a magnificent gift to one of the projects that I worked on the last couple of years, <clears throat> a project over in the Presidio here in San Francisco. And she was brought to us by a woman who does not have deep pockets, but she knew this woman who shared our values, who had never been on our radar screen. And the fact that this other woman, the one who introduced us, was so keyed in to the values that were guiding this project, she said, oh, my gosh. She said, I know exactly the person we should talk to. And the gift was the largest gift that we got for the project. And not only that, the woman said, I don't fund capital, and she ended up funding capital because she got so excited about how the capital supported the program. So we want to focus on values. We want to keep people connected to us who share our values, who then become links to others who share our values. And when we are talking with them and giving them feedback, our stewardship has to be in the in the area of the things that they value. You know, our donors want their spirits to soar when they hear the stories of the successful implementation of programs that have been funded with their resources. The second thing is we've got to, or the third thing, we've got to stem mission drift. Um, we have organizations that become so consumed with themselves that they forget why it is that they exist. Board meetings, and face it, you know, a lot of our major donors, a lot of the people who need to dream with us and for us are on our boards. But if they come to board meetings and they hear nothing but discussions of cuts and constraints and freezes, they're not going to dream either. Where are the discussions about how you can get the dream out in front of people and begin a re renewed journey to unimaginable success? Well, and Kay, I, think we, I think we train the dream right out of board members. Because I think a lot of board members join a nonprofit organization because they can dream, because they want right. to dream, because they see the effect of that charity on the community that they live in, and they do come to board meetings. And it's not to say that you you, you don't deal with all of the, you know, the the important budgetary issues, but when it's always conflict and it's always cuts and it's always you know problems with this and that, and there there isn't much dialogue between board members. There isn't the opportunity for them to really think in a policy way. Where are we taking this organization? What are we intending to do in this community? Right. We we actually train board members to think they don't, they're not supposed to dream. That's right. And, I mean, I interview board members, as I know you do, before you do a board retreat. It's discouraging. 
I mean, they say, you know, I came on this board because I was so excited about this, and now, you know, all I hear about is this and that. I mean, there are so many ways to correct that. Just change the structure of your board meeting so that there's always a mission moment. There's always, and I'm not talking about a program report. I'm talking about somebody from the community that comes in and says, do you know how fabulous this organization is? Do you know how you changed my life or my child's life or my parents' life? Do you have any idea what it is that you do? It is so incredible. Well, you well know, I'm going to walk Kay, out of there. Um, and... One of the things that, that I do, and I know I've shared this with you before, I want to share this with, with the listeners because I think it's a, a very good a method to get to, uh, to that issue uh, is one of the things that I do with my clients when we start a planning process is I will, you know, as we're talking to people and doing what I call the discovery phase, um, I will ask the question to one of the people there. I'll say, you know, XYZ charity, so what? That's right. So what? So what you exist. So what? What if and, this board had to yeah. vote this organization out of existence on Monday? Exactly. Uh, crocodile tears, who comes to your rescue? Who's harmed by the loss of this charity? And and I do that to really test, to say, are you in touch enough with your community to know where you fit, to know who your competitors are, to know why you're better, to know why you're more efficient, as opposed to just, we have a budget to meet, we have staff that expect to get a paycheck, we have a building to keep the doors open, and none of that has anything to do with charity mission. Exactly. All of that has to do with how the board decides to fulfill that mission. Right. And we've got, uh, I think, a, a very big trend happening on our boards as we bring in really young people, uh, the young and the restless, uh, onto our boards. We're also bringing in people who are looking at kind of the encore careers in the as volunteers, the older baby boomers who have retired, who are now looking for something really meaningful, they're coming on our boards, and a friend of mine calls, who is one, calls them the RTs, the ones with the remaining time. Well, what we have are two pockets now of extreme impatience on the board. The RTs who say, come on, come on, come on, you know, <laughs> I want this done in my lifetime, and the young and the restless who are saying, like, didn't we talk about that last month? You know, why don't we hit the send now button? Why don't we ever really make a decision? So we have to look, I think, at structure of our boards, but mostly it's this mission infusion. And I am really uh, grateful when I see organizations that are shifting the format of their board meetings, that are doing one of my clients uh, here in San Francisco, um, they their board retreat was a two-day board retreat. Wow. But the first day was a field trip and went to all the programs of this organization deep immersion and I tell you by the second day it was a changed board because hardly any of them had really connected with the really profound social service work that this organization does. So it's I, I think that, you know, we have to bridge we have to bridge between the accountability transparency demands which are appropriate because after all, when money's tight, you want to know that your investment is sound. But on the other hand, we need to remember that we cannot lose the art. We cannot lose the heart. We cannot lose the very thing that characterizes our sector. 
And the thing is that our donors, when we had the golden age of philanthropy at the turn of the century, so many people were activated to philanthropy. I remember in 2000, the, in March of 2000, there were 16 front page placements about philanthropy on the front page of the New York Times. I mean, philanthropy was never getting any press. So we have changed the culture and now what we need to do is have our organizations catch up and understand that people who turn to philanthropy for self-actualization, for that highest level on Maslow's hierarchy, you know, where they want to self-actualize, that they're looking for something bigger than meeting the budget. So in terms of what we say to your donors, you know, when you sit down with them, are you inspiring them to think big with you or are you saying, wow, great year, we got back to zero? Yeah. Do you have times during the year when the board and staff dream together? Where they take a well, hard I think look? that is very, very important is, yeah. is to have that opportunity to reflect on who we are, but also why we are. That's right. That's right. And most, most mission statements that I see do not have any why in them at all. It is the mission of blah, blah, blah is two. And Hank Rosso, who was my mentor, used to say, write a mission statement without the infinitive form of the verb. See if you can do it without to entertain, <laughs> to teach, to educate, to inform. Instead, and I mean, you, you've heard my, my favorite mission statement, which is for a, uh, an organization in Northern California that um, was a medical organization for hands. And that's all they did. They're in a logging community, and obviously there was a high need. And their mission statement was, you know, the mission of Vector Health Programs is to provide blah, 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 blah. And when she finished reciting it at a fundraising school class, I said, why? She said, what do you mean, why? And I said, well, why do you do that? Well, she said, because people need their hands. And I said, why? <laughs> and she looked at me like I was crazy. And she said, well, because you use your hands. And I said, write me a mission statement that if I'd never had anything worse than a hangnail, I would read that and say, oh, I never thought of that. How important is this organization? And this is what right. she wrote. This is what she wrote. Go ahead. Finishing the idea, we exist because next to the human face, hands are our most expressive feature. We talk with them. We work with them. We play with them. We comfort and love with them. An injury to the hand affects people personally and professionally. At Vector Health Programs, we give people back the use of their hands. Oh, see that I, I love that. I, I love that uh, because that answers the why, as as opposed to just we need money. Exactly. I mean, because one of the things I share with, with uh, people is needing money is not good enough. Right, exactly. Get in line. Get, Get in, in line. line. Everybody needs money. And hey, here's I the need other money. <laughs> right, exactly. But here's the other thing I can nearly guarantee you. I have no fear that you will raise too much money. Exactly. Because your organization will find a way to spend whatever right. it is that you're going to raise. And guess what? They'll want more next year. But, Ted, you know so what? So needing happens. money is clearly not enough. It's, it's what not. you do with it. It's That's the right. lies that you touch. That's right. And you to be able to tell that side of the story as opposed to I have a goal to meet, I have a budget to meet, and I have bills to pay. 
and I say to my clients now, that's I've, I'm so on to this, this whole the thing that we're not dreaming. And I will say to them, if somebody gave you a million dollars tomorrow, do you know what you'd do with it? And they just kind of look at me like, oh, no, I don't know what we'd do. We'd have to think about it. I said, you know what? Nobody's going to give you a million dollars if you haven't thought about it. Right, exactly. Because there are plenty of organizations. Would they? Why would they that, give you that? Exactly. You know, I, you know, I mean, I just think that we are missing so many opportunities and that dreams are a renewable resource. Organizations, Ted, there's not an organization that you and I have worked with over the past decades that was not founded on a dream. Absolutely. That's why charities exist. If if the, if it were not for the dream, they'd probably be for profit. That's right. I mean, everything from universities to symphony orchestras to hospitals to public media, where I work a lot, it was all about a dream. All you have to do is go back and read E.B. White's, you know, rhapsodic ode to public media. And when he said it's it's the Minsky's, it's the Camelot, you know, it's it's everything. That's a dream. And why do we fall under the weight of the the technical side of what we do? How do we keep how do we keep the light growing even in the rubble? And that's what I hey, think we're, we're going to take uh, just a, a real quick uh, break uh, for uh, to give some uh, information on how to become more uh, efficient. When we come back, we actually have an email question uh, that I'm going to share with you that uh, I think somebody wants to challenge you a little bit, Kay. Oh, good. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll be right back in just one minute. Every day, millions of people are online, many of whom want to help, volunteer, and donate to a good cause. Nonprofit organizations can use many Google tools to reach potential donors around the world and raise more money. And as an approved nonprofit, it doesn't cost a thing. It's all free. Google Grants helps you promote your website with free advertising on Google.com through the AdWords program. With Google AdWords, you create ads and choose words or phrases related to your nonprofit organization. When people search on Google using one of your phrases, your ad will appear next to the Google search results under the Sponsored Links section. AdWords allows you to target certain geographic areas, dates, and times of day for your ads to appear. YouTube for Nonprofits is another tool that can boost donations to your organization. The program offers a number of perks that get your message out there and drive viewers to take action and donate. You can list your organization on YouTube's nonprofit channel and add call-to-action overlays on your videos to drive viewers to donate. Need help analyzing your website traffic and marketing effectiveness? Google Analytics is a free tool that will give you rich insight and help you increase the number of people that visit and donate to your site. Google Analytics can be invaluable to many people in your organization, such as development directors, marketing staff, and your web team. There are many other tools that can help you reach more donors and raise funds, like Google Checkout, where you can process credit card donations with no transaction fee, Google Sites to create a free website, and Website Optimizer, where you can figure out the best landing pages to turn site visitors into donors. To get started, apply for Google for Nonprofits today. 
Kay, we have uh, an email question from Liz in St. Louis, and I, I think she's challenging you just a little bit, having heard uh, today's show. She's saying, okay, so how do I get my board to dream? Hmm. How do I get my board to dream? I think you have to give them permission to dream, and I think that the structure of the board meeting has a lot to do with it. Um, I've, I worked with a board this last year that had lost its capacity to dream, and we really put them through um, you know, a change in the, in the structure where we began looking at the issues in the community that we were focusing on. In other words, not about the organization, because you have to, first of all, get them focused back looking through the windows, because too much of this is about mirrors, about looking into the mirror. So what we did is we changed the format of the board meeting, many more just, you know, just the, the stuff was sent out beforehand. People either read it or they didn't. It was just action items. And then they would take an issue, and we they brought in people from the community to talk about that issue. And because all of philanthropy is based in issues, people follow the issues now more than they follow the organizations. And gradually the board began to see that it wasn't about this organization. It was about the need this organization was meeting. And it meant that this organization really began to say, how can we better serve this community? And then that led to the dreaming about what could be possible if we could do, you know, a, a funding initiative or if we could step up, our, or if we could get involved in fundraising, what more could we do? But it wasn't until they really looked out into the community and heard from the five different uh, areas of the community that they serve in terms of the, the social service need that they saw how really fabulous what they were doing was. And so that's, I don't know what kind of organization Liz is in, but if you can get people to stop just focusing on the organization and instead to look through the windows because the dream is out there. The dream is out there. And what Liz, they saw was a huge question, opportunity. I'm wondering, is this the, the forest for the trees? Uh, in what way? In, in the board members are so close oh, yes. to what, oh, totally. that yeah. what you're saying is, you need to step back. You need right. to get that community perspective of who you are. That's right, because the dream is out there. And it's also why you should have mission moments at every board meeting uh, that in some way educate or inspire the board. Uh, I just happen to believe that dreaming is, you know, dreams can trump fear. And right now we have been really in this fear mode. Our donors have, you know, rampant psychic poverty, they're feeling like they don't have the money, and yet every time you open the Chronicle of Philanthropy, it's another $100 million gift. How about today, the backer for Cornell for doing the, the project in New York City? It's yeah, it was a $350 million. million gift. Yeah. Where is that yeah, guy huge, been? huge gift. Kay, it's, it's always amazing, of course, the opportunity to chat with you. I can, I can chat with you forever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, and we are almost out of time, so I'm going to ask you to wrap up uh, with giving us your holiday wishes and your holiday plan for our listeners today. Well, I'd like to just kind of end this with a quote from André Gide, uh, who said, we cannot discover new oceans until, unless we have the courage to lose sight of the shore. 
And I think that there are people out there waiting for us to utter the dream that reflects what they've long harbored in their imagination as possible for our communities, our country, or the world. I just think they're out there, Ted, and I think that we as a sector, philanthropy, our donors have gotten ahead of us. We need to catch up with our donors. We need to say, together, we can be partners for positive change because that's what we are. We partner with our communities for positive change. I would wish you a year that is guided by dreams, is characterized at the end of it by positive change, and that each person listening to this will find both your own personal as well as your professional dream that you can pursue. Thank you, Ted. Okay, Sprinkle Grace, thank you so much for being our holiday expert here on the last show of 2011. And once again, you've not only given us lots to think about that is heartwarming but instructional, uh, and I think all of our charities be much more successful uh, in 2012. Everyone have a wonderful holiday. We'll be right back here on The Nonprofit Coach next month. You've been listening to The Nonprofit Coach Radio Show with Ted Hart. Tell all your friends to check out our production schedule and download our iPod and iPad-friendly podcast at tedhart.com. Thanks for listening to The Nonprofit Coach. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.